Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here along with Andrew Kramer of the Star Tribune inside the walls of TCO Performance Center with a picture or two of Sid Hartman or three looking over us as we do this. Um, so I guess we need to be very positive to honor Sid about this OTA <laughs> practice <laughs> that we just covered. So I think actually we should start off with some things that we took away from OTA practice, and then we could talk about other stuff. Uh, where do you want to begin? There were there were, It was not a hardcore, super intense practice. Unlike 2018, Kirk Cousins didn't throw the ball into the road or anything out of frustration. <laughs> in fact, it was so lacking in intensity Kirk wasn't even throwing the ball and the plays that he was out there. He was like pretending to throw. And so that's kind of where we're at. But what was your biggest number one takeaway that will lead all of Star Tribune sports coverage tomorrow? Oh, this this won't lead Star Tribune sports coverage, but uh, it will lead Matthew Collar's Purple Insider podcast because I was surprised and maybe delighted for Kellen Mond, the amount of time he was talking to Kevin O'Connell. I have seen him speak now more to Kevin O'Connell than I ever saw him speak to Mike Zimmer in just this one open OTA. Uh, if this kid is has any kind of chance in the NFL, he's got a much better chance under this coach who seems to take an active interest, obviously he's an offensive guy, but an active interest in giving him the reps and giving him the work. Um, the reps and the work that, frankly, we all know Sean Mannion just doesn't really need at this point, right? Sean Mannion is learning a new offense. Yes, he did spend some time in L.A., yes, but he's uh, kind of a formed entity at this point. We know who he is. So uh, I just this wasn't any kind of play, nothing like that, but just seeing that kind of interaction consistently, that kind of uh, work they were giving Kellen Mond, I think was a good sign for him and the young man at least trying to get a chance to stick in the NFL. I mean, leading the show with Kellen Mond is <laughs> just so perfect for right? OTAs. Cur- curveball, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I think last year people were arguing over whether Wyatt Davis should have taken the first team oh, reps God. right yeah. off the very start at OTAs, and then he doesn't even get any game. <laughs> so, like, that's OTAs. Uh, I will say, well, why Why not? Why don't we just go down this road? There are other things Follow to talk about. Road, yeah. yeah, Like, you talked to Janarius Robinson, who's working out with Daniil Hunter. Daniil Hunter talked to the media. I talked with BC Johnson. So let's get to some of those sort of things. But um, the backup quarterback situation, if it's not Kellen Mond, then what? (laughs) Then then that draft pick is just a massive failure. And also having Sean Mannion, a total sign of you don't have any cap space because it is the bottomest of the bottom barrel with due respect to a journeyman backup quarterback, but it is the bottomest of the bottom barrel. And the bar has not been set very high for Kellen Mond. This is his chance. Like when Mike Zimmer was fired, no one should have jumped higher in excitement than Kellen Mond to know that his career doesn't have to be over (laughs) right away off the bat. Um, At the same time, I mean, you know, not being able to beat out Sean Mannion last year was problematic. And now he's got to learn a whole nother offense, but at least the door is open for him being the backup. And I think that there have been so many frustrations from Vikings fans this off season. Why didn't they trade this guy, extend that guy or draft this guy. But one of them that has cropped up every once in a while, like in my Twitter is 
I can't believe they signed Tron Mannion back. <laughs> so may, maybe there will be some some enthusiasm for Kellen Mond really getting his shot to compete for the backup quarterback spot. Yeah, Vikings fans have done a good job of throwing water on the notion of the backup quarterback is everybody's favorite player. Well, not this backup quarterback. Not right now, not with Sean Mannion. Um, when you do look at that contract, yeah, it, it makes it feasible that Kellen Mond could somehow supersede him this offseason if – if they end up evaluating the quarterback pecking order as such. But Sean Mannion was still taking the second team reps with the offense and OTAs here in the 11-on-11 that we saw. Um, It's just a matter of seeing Kellen Mond actually getting a lot of the, obviously, third-team work. Nate Stanley wasn't out there today actually participating, but I can't imagine he's much of a threat for that backup job. So I do wonder if they are keeping much of an open mind about that or if a new coaching staff is coming into this wanting to stick with the same reliable veteran that drives Vikings fans so crazy and somewhat validated when you saw Sean Mannion start that game in Green Bay in December and it went nowhere. Yeah, I mean, it was the right thing to do to start Sean Mannion because Kellen Mond at that point last year was not ready to play. And when he actually came in the game, looked completely lost Mm -hmm. and almost threw a pick six, which was kind of how he looked in preseason and throughout the year at practice. I'm sure he's not getting hardly any reps. So what would have mattered the most to Mike Zimmer in making that determination would have been entirely camp, camp and preseason. It's been a long time since camp and preseason. I will not spend past six minutes talking about this, but <laughs> but but I think it has been a long time yep. since anybody got eyes on him. Remember Jake Browning was and, a thing in camp. Right. And so this will be at least his chance to catch back up and give himself a shot at the backup quarterback. And then there would at least be the idea that if he can be the backup, he has the physical skill to give you a chance to win a game if Kirk Cousins is out. And at that point, we are done talking about Kellen Mond. <laughs> and on to Daniil Hunter, yeah. because what a weird offseason for Daniil Hunter. Yeah. We all think he's getting traded. We all think he might get extended, and it's just neither. And oh, by the way, he's played like seven games since 2019. Like, what a what a bizarre sort of journey of being the most incredible young player at that position in the league for a long time and then just hitting the skids with his injury and now they're really really relying on him because they have aside from third and fourth round draft picks not invested anything else in that position aside from signing Zadarius Smith yeah the good news about Daniel Hunter this time around after this injury is that it has a lot more um, you're a lot more sure that he's going to come back from it full strength this was a run-of-the-mill torn pectoral muscle. This is something a lot of guys come back from and does not hinder your career long-term. This is not an ambiguous, mysterious tweak neck injury that was really casting a shadow over his entire offseason last year when they tried to really ease him back from that. Uh, I didn't see Daniil take a single rep off that uh, Zadarius Smith wasn't taking in this practice. Um, from what I'm talking to his trainers, talking to people that worked out with him, he was full strength. And he said today he was full strength as of end of February, beginning of March. So he's been able to do much of his off-season program and workout regimen that he was already able to do if he were healthy. So the concern or uncertainty with him is about how long are they going to be able to keep him under contract here in Minnesota, happy and paid. As you talk about a team that has a lot of financial constraints that signs Sean Mannion as its backup, how are you going to be able to back up the truck that Daniil wants in getting his new contract. And I asked him after practice today about that, just whether or not those contract terms or contract talks have even kicked up recently because they obviously fell off when they decided to pay him that massive roster bonus. And he dodged that like he was dodging some footballs today when him and Zadarius were throwing them around. But 
afterward he walked off the podium and I said hey I had to try and he goes well in due time in due time so I think he's always had this kind of peaceful zen kind of he likes Bruce Lee a lot he always kind of tries to have this kind of like peaceful mentality about a lot of this stuff um, but really that is the biggest concern if you were a Vikings fan is how can we if as a team keep him under contract and pay him what he wants and especially if he goes out there this year and shows you what he was before. Remember, he had like six sacks in, what, seven games last year? He was on track to have one of those seasons that really makes you pay for it. So if you can kind of drag this can down the road and do this, he stands to really gain only more leverage if he plays the way that everybody thinks he can. It was a highlight watching him try to throw a football, though, (laughs) because... I said, I think it's clear that I'm a better athlete than Daniil Hunter is because I can throw a football better than he can. It was rough. It was rough. It was rough. And Zadarius, too, he had a nice spiral on it, but he couldn't catch it. No. And then Daniil really could catch it, but really couldn't throw it. So it was quite the duo. Are They're we, already are we concerned about Zadarius Smith dropping back in coverage if he can't catch a football? <laughs> My column. Um, with with Daniil, for me, I mean, it, football injuries just like happen at random. And so now he's had two of them. So, of course, you're, quote, injury prone. Like you said, there's no reason to think that the one injury is going to be an issue. But the other one still lingers. Like the existence of what happened two years ago is much more dangerous of a threat to his future. And then there's just the idea that there's nothing behind him. And they didn't make any effort to bring in anybody else, which is just kind of surprising to me. Because when you look at those guys, Darius Smith and Daniil Hunter out there on the field at the same time, you think... My goodness. I mean, just even watching them at OTAs, there's a difference between those guys and everybody else. But after them, there's just nothing there. I mean, that, that is proven at all. Um, you know, I was reminded that Kenny Willekes is still around today and Janarius Robinson was somebody they drafted that you spoke to after practice. But you're not talking about anyone proven, anyone even rotational. So even if we don't have a huge fear of Daniil Hunter having troubles, even if he misses some time because football is football or the same thing for Zadarius Smith, I mean, they've really kind of played with fire with this position, relying on those two guys to stay fully healthy. Yeah, and, and speaking of, about Janarius Robinson, um, he actually called up Daniil after the season and said, I want to work out with you. Like basically reached out to him and tried to latch onto him, and Daniil was open to it. And so they spent a lot of time this offseason down in Houston working out together. Janarius doesn't even live in Houston. He was kind of a stalker, I guess. He just flew down there and, and continued to stay around Daniil, doing all the workouts, going to all the trainers that he goes to. Uh, they spent a lot of time at O Athletic, which is Adrian Peterson and Trent Williams' gym down there in Houston. Um, and it sounded like Daniel, at least through Janarius's eyes, that Daniel is fully healthy and okay. It's, it sounds like he said just the intensity that this guy works at is unparalleled and some, something you hear a lot about Adrian Peterson actually back when he was still playing here. So, um, that is concerning, certainly the neck injury and that they didn't add anybody around there. Cause that is the one thing of like, okay, you need him to play 17 games. You need Zadarius Smith to play 17 games. Cause if you have DJ Wanham starting another game for you, Um, you're going to have to scheme him up as an untouched rusher because we've yet to see him beat anybody one-on-one in terms of tackles. So I think this is defense is a good fit for what DJ Wanham does in terms of being athletic and moving around in coverage. Certainly he is one of the more lanky athletic guys they've got, but we have seen nothing from him as a pass rusher, even though you, you can look at those sack numbers, but you've seen those sacks, you know, those don't really reflect who he is right now as a pass rusher. So there's just, this roster is very top heavy in a lot of places still. And that's what happens when you have a new GM takeover and not really 
not really retool it that much. Um, Zadarius Smith was the big addition. That was the offseason addition. And then in the draft, they obviously tried to revamp the secondary. Um, but up front, if you're going to win up front with Harrison Phillips, Armand Watts was the five tech today. That's a starting defensive lineman right now for you. Um, with Dalvin Tomlinson, you're going to need those two guys being basically the best edge rushing tandem in the NFL. Right. Uh, and Armand Watts showed a little bit last year, I think at least a little bit more than some of the other guys, but it really shows you how missing in the later rounds of the recent drafts have continued to leave this team so short from extra depth. It's like, maybe there's another guy that they could go out there and pay two or $3 million to rush the passer as a veteran, but we haven't even heard any buzz about them even potentially signing someone like that. Like there's been a little JC Treader buzz, but there hasn't been any for, Hey, they might bring back this guy or that guy or uh, sign so-and-so to be a situational rusher. Like they need some of these guys to emerge. And that's been the story of the last several years is they need these guys to emerge. Oh, they didn't. And, and so we, we don't have any idea yet whether they will here, but this really applies to a lot of positions we were watching because Eric Hendricks wasn't working out and Blake Lynch wasn't here. So we're watching Troy die and we're watching Chaz Surratt and we're just going like, okay, well there's another position. It's almost really at every level where you're saying if one person goes down, then it's problematic. Now, my question for you, this is like a severe hardcore football OTA question <laughs> is like, what do, what do we think of the defensive line as a whole? Like if Armand Watts is mixing in as a five tech, Harrison Phillips, Delvin Tomlinson, Zadarius Smith, Daniil Hunter, it on paper with that group actually sounds like it should be pretty good. Yeah, I like that. I like those five. And frankly, I like the nickel defensive line even better because it's just not Armand Watts in there. And you've got Harrison Phillips, Dalvin Tomlinson, Zadarius Smith, and Daniil Hunter. Those four kind of forming that traditional four-man front. That's, that's a pretty good defensive line. Um, you know, it's not your Linval Joseph days, but I think Harrison Phillips can be a really good player for them. And I think especially if those two guys on the edge are healthy and drawing the attention that they should be, that that can open up some things for Dalvin Tomlinson on the inside as well. Um, and then with Kendricks, if you assume him healthy back there with Jordan Hicks, that's a decent front. It is a decent front for them. And it's just, it's top heavy. Cause like you said, you're one injury away from playing Troy die. You're one injury away from, Hey, Brian Osamoa, are you ready already to jump in as a third round linebacker? Um, they had the rookies working with the backups as is NFL tradition uh, <laughs> this early in May. So the defense and the backups are going to change over time here in the coming months. Um, but right now I think the defensive line is the strength of this defense. It seems to be crafted that way with obviously Harrison Phillips and Zadarius Smith being your primary additions there. And that's where they need to win. And just as we've seen the Vikings offense crumble when the offensive line gets beat, that's how this Vikings team needs to short circuit opposing offenses. It has to start up front. Right. And, uh, even on the interior, they need someone like Armand Watts to be useful. They need someone else to show up there. That was another position that they just really didn't address much beyond getting Harrison Phillips to replace what Michael Pierce was for them. Uh, Phillips has a much better health record, so maybe he'll be on the field more often. But, you know, you're looking at someone like Jalen Twyman is out there working out and like, oh, yeah the sixth round pick from two years ago, like that guy might have to play or something, or if he makes the team, we're talking about that. And it just speaks to when you see it out there, the haves and have nots of talented players on this roster. It's a pretty big gap. 
And every time we mention that, I'll always get messages of like, oh, every team's starters are better. Like, that's true. But we don't know that most of these guys can even play in the NFL. And that's where they ran into your Jaleel Johnsons and trying to start Fadi Adenabo and stuff like that. And they didn't even make a Stephen Weatherly move to bring in someone who was proven uh, this year. Now, uh, sorry, Jim. Well, I was just going to say where I do like the depth on this team is I think in their offensive skill talent. Um, they've got good starters, and I think they have decent backups, whether it's Alexander Madison uh, and Kenny Wongwu back there, or it's K.J. Osborne now taking another step in his, be his third year, right, as, as wide receiver three. B.C. Johnson coming back, a guy who had taken a starting job a couple years ago. He's a guy. Uh, Amir Smith-Marset, you hope, can take another step at wide receiver. So I think they've got intriguing talent there and some depth there. But that's about where it stops short for for this team, it feels like. Folks, with baseball season in full swing, just a reminder, if you're headed downtown for baseball, make sure that you are dressed right. Go to SodaStick.com for all your Minnesota baseball gear. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K. Go to their website, SodaStick.com. Check out everything they have, hats, t-shirts. If it's one of those cool summer evenings, Bring your hoodie as well. Check it out, sodastick.com. You won't find anything better. Go there today and use the code PURPLEINSIDER for 15% off your purchase. Well, I was going to talk about that because I spoke with uh, BC Johnson, who just said after practice it was great to even be out on the field. I mean, he got hurt so early in training camp last year and has not run routes in almost a year against other people and is working back from that. Usually ACL is not that serious. I mean, for the guy it is, it's no fun for him. (laughs) I could say that, but, uh, you know, not getting another receiver. I still think will loom large for this team at some point because what they have is like, they have a lot of wide receiver fours. I mean, KJ Osborne is a good player, I think, but he's kind of a wide receiver four on a great, great unit. That's what I think, um, I th- talent wise. Now he d- he did some good things last year. Some I'm not really saying good he did things. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying he didn't, but it's just when <laughs> what I'm here's what I mean by wide receiver four. Sure. If you are given perfectly favorable situations to catch the ball, wide open, you're going to make those plays. Like you're not just some guy. Like you're going to make a play. But if you're asked to elevate and roll, a wide receiver four is not able to do that. And I think that's what we saw from KJ Osborne last year. Smith Marset showed some flashes, but with his physical talent, it's clear that maybe the offense wasn't his thing. Um, and I think Mike Zimmer alluded to that. And BC Johnson is like definition NFL wide receiver four. I agree with super you smart guy, yeah. but his physical ceiling is not that high. I think you. I know that people want to give Osborne more credit than that, but I think that that's kind of where you're at. No, I think he's a bona fide wide receiver three. He's J- he's he's uh, Jarius Wright coming back from the dead, even though Jarius Wright's still yeah. with us. Um, <laughs> R.I.P. I, all right, he he really is not only because of the 17 and the, and the locks. He's a guy who can actually. We're forgetting the week two over the middle slant he's catching and getting drilled. We're forgetting that opening that game with a 64 yard bomb. I mean, he's a guy who can do these things that are very versatile and and. Um, not ones that I don't see BC Johnson making, not plays that I see. Um, I went back at one point last year and, and counted up all of KJ Osborne's catches on third, fourth down. He was one of the more reliable go-to targets in that vein of when we think of Jarius Wright. When, when we always talked about this wide receiver depth is lacking, we always thought they need to get a guy that they can just go to in those critical moments when Thielen and whoever's double team digs. And, and now they've got that guy that they can go to. And I really think that, 
especially in this offense with Kevin O'Connell, I, I think his stock is going up. And I, I think he showed a lot last year that he is a bona fide wide receiver three. So that's our argument. Three versus four. Yeah. 3.2. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's look at it this way, at least for, from my mind, I always look at things through the lens of like the best teams. And if it's, if we're talking about the teams that scored the most last year, like a Tampa Bay, Antonio Brown, win normal and not insane is their wide receiver three. And, yeah. and Michael Gallup is wide receiver three for Dallas. And T. Higgins is wide receiver three for Cincinnati. And Emmanuel Sanders is wide receiver three for Buffalo. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm coming from. I know he's a little <laughs> washed, but that's kind of where I'm coming from is like the Rondell Moore would be for Arizona or AJ Green for Arizona. So I think that when you have when you're talking about the best offenses, it's not that he can't play wide receiver 3 and be effective and make plays. We saw that. Yeah. It's just like the Rams brought in Odell Beckham to be wide receiver 3, so I kind of pumped that bar up higher for what you need to be a great offense. But I think that there's legit competition there and they also, you know, they draft Jalen Naylor, I don't know if he's going to, you know, who knows, right? But yep. it, it's it, like at least they have players who can play yep. or who have some experience. So it's not a gargantuan drop off, but it's also not like, whoa, look at this bevy of receivers that they're just, they can't get guys on the field enough. There's only one football, everyone. Like it doesn't feel quite like that. That's true. That is true. And I do think that they might use that wide receiver three just as much as last year, which is not that much. Because I don't, I don't think Kevin O'Connell is going to come in and spread the ball out and run and, and throw it a ton to wide receivers like they did in L.A. We've heard him a lot mention C.J. Ham. We know they want to split, as we saw today. And one headline that I maybe should have even led the podcast with instead of Kellen Mond is that Irv Smith is out there running routes, yeah. and and yep. it didn't didn't look like they were taking him as slowly as they had said they were going to, or at least at what it sounded like. It was May. He was out there with the first team offense. He was running around and making cuts and doing things on that knee that you should expect eight, nine, ten months, whatever it is removed from that meniscus surgery so um with him involved at that spot if they do lean more two back heavy two tight end heavy i yeah i don't think this is going to be an offense that tries to lean on those guys a whole lot the wide receiver threes fours and fives um but yeah he's not odell he's not antonio brown That's something true. else i saw offensively that um like uh, don't write this down for it's going to you know change the world but ken a wong Wu mixing in with the first mm -hmm. team i want to see like what is the need more cowbell like I got a fever and it's yes. more Ken A on the offense. <laughs> yes. I mean, yep. like the, there yep. is there is no reason to not have Ken A Wong Wu playing some sort of role in this offense. Yeah, and even if it's kind of a gadget role or something that you can, you know, if you don't trust his vision or whatever in the zone schemes, whatever it is that, you know, or, or was pass protection, all that stuff, smart NFL coaches find ways to get their guys involved, whether it's Kansas City, whether it's San Francisco, you look up and go, what's a Mecole Hardman? Oh, now all of a sudden he's a bona fide name. Or San Francisco finds their ways to get their kind of gadget guys involved. And he's so fast. It doesn't matter how unrefined he might be as a running back. You need to get him in this game and get him out running people and get him in space and create, uh, be and do your job as a coach and be creative and get him involved because as great as Alexander Madison is, uh, he's not that. So he's not the guy who's going to burn you and, and run past you. Um, so I, I think Alexander for what he's, he's a good backup, but yeah, they got to get Kenny involved. Okay, so that's all I have. Uh, <laughs> that's an OTA. You don't want to break down the right guard competition between oh, shoot. Je yeah, yeah. Jesse oh. Davis and Chris Reed. So sorry, so sorry. This is going to be the one that just. Oh, also, a punter was wearing number sixty-six. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah. I how mean, about that? That's special. <laughs> they also had, here's another couple of things to note. They had a giant TV out there. Yep. So I think, at least from the way that I saw it, they could look at what happened on a play instantly mm. if they wanted to, I don't know, yell at the right person. I mean, like, is that what that's for? I'm not sure. Yeah, we'd have to ask Kevin. He wasn't available today, but I would like to ask him, hey, what's the TV for? Hiding from the media. Catch up on some Hulu or because, something. Right, because he doesn't <laughs> want to answer questions about this large television. But it looked like the play was happening, yeah. and then it was being shown like a couple seconds later. Yep almost in the way that we see it in the press box on TV after we've seen it in front of us. Yep. Uh, that was a change. I also noticed that there was a football on a rope. So <laughs> it was for a drill. They've got the money to have these things. Okay. Big investments on money on uh, football on a rope. No where, salary cap on how many ropes you can buy. That's true. Uh, so there would be the defensive end would practice knocking the ball out of the assistant coach or intern's hand and it would bounce right back to him because he had on a rope. Yep. I haven't seen that before. No, you got to worry about the assistant's carpal tunnel, though. You're kind of working that wrist a lot if it's getting yanked back constantly. That's that's something that's not going to pop up on the injury report, but we'll find out. I wouldn't want Daniel Hunter slapping me over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> that too, seriously. What if he's doing it lightly? Like, can I just go chase down the ball? It gives me a few seconds of reprieve from Daniel Hunter assaulting me it's like, legally. <laughs> there, have been, there have been a few instances of this where you try to play it cool. Like Linval Joseph patted me on the back one time after an interview, and I was just like, oh, uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, my spine's normal after after that like shaking hands with adrian peterson if he hits you in the right spot it's just a chiropractic adjustment you just feel better you're like oh thank you right oh, loosen crack my spine uh okay so team jesse davis or team chris reed i'm team uh surprised to see well maybe not surprised but garrett bradbury took every snap at center we didn't see a single person even run you know and i guess when you looked at who they signed it kind of fell that way but i think there were a lot of people out there saying well what if this guy could play center what if that guy could play center uh no nobody's playing center but garrett bradbury um, I don't think I'm too shocked to see Davis and Reed mixing in. Those are the two guys with the most experience. I believe I looked this up at some point this offseason. I believe they have like over 2000 NFL snaps at just those positions at guard. Right. Davis has way more because he also played tackle. But it, it's not shocking that an NFL team, new coaching staff is going to go with the most experienced guys, mix them in there, see how they do, uh, and then really not make any decisions until August when they start playing in real pads and playing real football. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't expect us to see Wyatt Davis out there. I didn't expect us to see Ed Ingram certainly out there. I, I think it's going to be probably one of those two guys and that's why you sign him. Uh, so we asked, um, Kevin O'Connell at the combine about Garrett Bradbury and he absolutely raved about him, which I thought was really interesting. Cause it was like, but you've seen. I did. I, and I followed up and asked him. I was like, but he's had some ups and downs, huh? <laughs> he was he was benched, man. Yeah. And, and this is every once in a while you get a message that's like, why don't you grill the coach on this thing? And like we asked, what do you want me to do? Be like, he's terrible, Kevin. I want a swinging, a swinging light in interrogation room pointing it at his face. Like, what do you know? Why? Wear, wear a shirt that says no Bradbury. Like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you need a campaign sign for anybody but Bradbury. Right, right, right. Not my center. Stand out, stand outside the gates at TCO Performance Center. Dresses a giant Barry. No Barry. Um, it's just like I don't know, man. But there is their trust in Garrett Bradbury because they legitimately think that whatever the last group was doing was not great for the center, or is it just money? 
Like a lot of this stuff just comes down to money. We were talking about Sean Mannion. The reason that someone really good is not your backup quarterback is the same reason. Okay. I could say a lot of things societally, but money. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah, it is because they, at the combine, which is when we had asked Kevin O'Connell about Bradbury and he raved about him. Uh, there were two things he said that stood out to me in his comments. One um, was, yeah, we got to get him in the right system. It's about getting him in the right system, the right setup. That says to me that, yeah, we looked at what they were doing with them and thought we can do things better, which, you know, that happens all the time, but we'll see about that. Um, number two was, um, I didn't ask about Mason Cole, but he brought up Mason Cole and they wanted to resign Mason Cole. And yeah. then Mason Cole got a ridiculous contract from Pittsburgh for $5 million a year. So they were never in the ballpark of paying Mason Cole that for a guy who would compete at those spots or be a backup. Mason Cole obviously took Bradbury's job. Wally pipped him at some point in November. And I think they were interested in having Bradbury compete with him again. Um, now, the money fell to where they were just obviously put it in at right guard. And they felt like they could bring in some more veteran, cheaper options at that right guard spot with Reed and Davis and the guys that we were seeing mix in there. So it really is about money, it, and especially when it came to Mason Cole. And I think it really is about the system. When you listen to O'Connell and him talk about they ask their um, centers to do a lot communication-wise, setting things up more so than the average center, more so than the Kubiak system did. And one of the things O'Connell raved about with Bradbury was, um, he's, I think he even said he's outstanding at what he what they had asked him to do communication-wise, which kind of flies in the face of what the old coaching staff said about him. But if they believe that, if they believe that this guy's intellectually what they need at that position, then it's just about physically scheming up an offense around him where he doesn't get dusted every now and then, which is what kept happening to him, uh, overpowered by guys. And so with an offensive head coach, I have to feel like this is Bradbury's best chance. They were never going to pick up that fifth year option. Um, even if it was after his first year, they were never going to exercise that because of how much money it was. So it'll be interesting to see how this kid plays this year. And if they even have a viable option, like let's say the first month doesn't go well for Garrett Bradbury. What is that option at backup center? Cause I'm not even sure what it would be. Do you, how much do you know about Wally Pip? Only in the only insofar as to say that he's the guy that people bring up. He's a pitcher, right? No. Oh my God. So you know no, nothing about Wally. Pitt. Oh, this turned out great then. Yeah, I know yeah. nothing. Yeah. No, all I know is that he's just the, the name that people use. So there's an NFL films clip of Bill Belichick saying to, I think it's is Wes he, oh, Welker. He's sorry. It's from the, it's a fictional character, right? No, from a movie? no. Oh my God. Oh my, what? what is, let me keep guessing. So Belichick, <laughs> somebody, somebody in preseason returns a, a kick for a touchdown and he says to Wes Welker, like, oh, you're going to get Wally pipped. And Wes Welker's like, the Wally what? Wally Pip. <clears throat> Best remembered. This is from his Wikipedia. Best remembered as the man who lost his starting job to Lou Gehrig due to the fact that he was experiencing a headache on June 2nd, 1925. That was the beginning of Gehrig's streak of 2,130 games. That's so what where position did he play? He wasn't baseball. He was a first baseman. Okay, so I was close. And he got a headache. <laughs> pretty, pretty soft Wally. <laughs> he would never have never have lasted in this game. Uh, who football. was who was the guy that Teddy Bridgewater was often you talked about the fictional football character who Oh man. Why am I why did I think he was I don't know why I went to fictional football character for him, but I knew um, it was I knew it was baseball. More on Wally Pip. Let's see. Uh, he and Home Run Baker led an improved Yankees lineup in home runs in 1913. 
And he led the American League in home runs in 1916 and 1917. So basically, by the time he was getting his headaches and losing his job, he was sort of washed. So <laughs> sorry, Wally Pip, tough break. He was born in 1893, so we definitely should still reference him. Has anyone lost their job since and somebody else took over and oh, was so good? Oh, you're, so you're mad that people keep using that. Well, I just, you know, you didn't even know if he was real. No, it's just because it's become such a part of the nomenclature, you know, the the yeah. you know, ethos, the whatever. Well, well, uh, there's nobody who's pipping uh, <laughs> Garrett Bradbury. But this will be looked at, though. It's like as we go through and we look at this roster and we see them out there, they're running around in in football pants and stuff Mm -hmm. it's like we're gonna ask ourselves which things were the right stuff to do and looks good and which things maybe you should have not relied on or kept with and that's one that will be questioned for sure it because i think that the best thing they could have done at right guard is probably what they did which is just get two veteran guys if they if they were going to spend all their free agent money on defense that's all you could really do but even replacement centers, guys who are cheap in free agency, have performed better by the numbers than Bradbury. And, and his respectable run blocking has just not resulted in anything. It's like not, it's not like they've been this incredible screen or run blocking team over the last few years. And so that's one that I think they're taking a pretty serious risk. Um, but the last thing that I wanted to ask you about on the show today, though, was football power ranking index, okay? <clears throat> this well, is from, no Wally Pip question. This is from yeah, no. His his power <laughs> ranking was zero after he got a little headache and had to sit up <laughs> baseball, man. It rains, they all go inside. Uh, <laughs> Byron Buxton, am I right? If you've never seen <laughs> if you've ever seen the George Carlin comedy bit on football versus baseball, it's incredible. It. Yeah. No. no, look it up. It's it's so funny. Um, but uh from Seth Walder of ESPN, the football power index rankings are out. And they have the Minnesota Vikings 13th, only a shade behind the Denver Broncos, just ahead of the Raiders. And uh, in terms of NFC, they are well ahead of the Philadelphia Eagles, who are 18th, which I think maybe is a little questionable there. Uh, 13th, too high, too low, just right? I would say this team hasn't done a whole lot to say, yeah, they're a playoff team. Um, yeah, because that would, that would indicate 13. That means you're one of the last ones in, if not the last one in, in the NFC. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, too high. I would say at this point, it's also may, and they could also prove me wrong by going out and beating green Bay in week one and looking like the team we thought they were, but defensively is where we have our questions, right? We spent this entire half of it talking about the depth on defense and lack thereof, which we will do all summer. And until Lewis seen, uh, gets out there and shows us that he's a real player until Andrew Booth can stay healthy and be a starting corner uh, until Chandon Sullivan is your slot, often used slot nickel corner until we see him be better than he was in green Bay. Um, these are all budget options because they're on rookie deals and because it's Chandon Sullivan. So I, I have major questions about the secondary. And when we talk about this defensive line, that's where that has to be a difference maker. Cause I don't see many difference makers behind them. I know Harrison Smith, as good as he is, he can't make up, as we've seen in the past, can't make up for all the deficiencies around him at corner. So Patrick Peterson's a year older, all this stuff. So I think the offense will be what it has been, which has been kind of underrated good, even with Clint Kubiak. I know he has moments and all the three and outs, but if you look at the explosive plays, you look at what they were able to do uh, in the red zones at times, I think this was a, has been a really good and very talented offense. And I think it'll be better with the, the guard competition there and not starting Ole Udo. Um, but you need to sell me on Aaron Rodgers not carving him up twice. You need to sell me on this defense uh, keeping their head above water because last year the defense just totally blew it for him. 
Right. Uh, the Packers are number two on the old power index ranking thing. Uh, so I saw our friend Kevin Seifer tweet about how um, the ESPN group of analysts who power ranked every team themselves came up with, I think, 23rd for the Vikings. And so that's maybe more closer to where you yeah. have them. Yeah. My thing is, though, that Kevin's comment was, well, that's quite a gap between the power index and 23rd. And what I think is, is it? Like, is there, (laughs) so this, this has them as sixth in the NFC. Is there a huge difference between finishing sixth in the NFC and finishing 23rd, which by the way, I mean, this, this has some, like, it's always hard to rank teams in may the the 40, (laughs) the 49ers are 24th on this. I don't see them as the 24th best team. Um, the lions could be a lot better. There's other teams that could be better, but the whole point that I thought of is just, well, if they're the sixth seed, that that sort of shows how high we have to set the bar after the way they treated the offseason, right? Because sure. if they if they are behind the Packers, Rams, Bucks, Cowboys, and Cardinals, and are just ahead of the Eagles in terms of the playoff race, if that's how it finishes, just how the football index says, the power index, Andrew, my gosh. Um <laughs> it, my question for you is is that is that a success for Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adafo Mensa in their first season? If, if, if this plays if, out like this, if it went exactly like this, oh god, yes, yeah, no, yes, think so? yes. I don't think so. Really, I think okay. it's got to be better. I think it's got to be better than a six seed. I, I don't. No, I don't. I, I think the expectations should be maybe that, which is hey, thirteenth best team in the league, six seed, seven seed, whatever. Like that's what that's what they were last year, and they were just a bounce or two away from being that. And what did they do this off season? They were hamstrung by not moving a lot of these big contracts and instead of reworking them to try to get more pieces in to try and redo this. You're basically running it back or a competitive rebuild as Quasi wanted to call it. So with all that, it's, this just seems like what they are. And instead you're doing it now with half of a new defense, a bunch of rookies starting in the secondary, presumably uh, if not, it's Cameron Dantzler. And so I, I think that the expectations shouldn't be so high. Like why do you think that they need to be greater than a wild card team? Because they made all moves to win now. And if you make all of your moves to succeed for this year and not push it down for the future and not do any of the rebuild parts of a competitive rebuild, we should hold you to a high expectation that it has to work. And, and, and look, six seed actually looks better now since there's seven seeds, but we used to make fun of the six seed, right? Yeah. 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 I, I would push back though on the notion that they haven't done anything to actually rebuild. They haven't done it in terms of moving the biggest pieces that would allow you to do the most rebuilding. But what they have done is try to re plant the seeds in the secondary of actually developing and growing some of these players. When you spend first and second picks on scene and booth, those are supposed to be long-term starters for you. And you only bring Patrick Peterson out was really a win for the Vikings at half of what you got him at last year when, when Rick Spielman and then were bent over the barrel to pay him 8 million. Now you get him back at for one year, 4 million. That's a win for them. You're not tied to him long-term. You don't have a $10 million cap hit next year for Anthony Barr. The biggest mistake I could see them making is next year. They get to the point and go, God, we're paying Adam Thielen. What? $19 million. Like that was one where I look at and go, what are you doing in terms of your rebuilding mode right now? Cause you're going to have to pay Justin Jefferson soon. And are you going to start paying two wide receivers, 50 million total? I don't know about that. So I, I do think though, that I like some of the little things that they've done to try to turn over this roster, at least slightly. It's just, they, that's all they were hamstrung to do because as we've talked about Clearly, they didn't seem to get the go-ahead from ownership to just kind of blow the thing up with Kirk and Thielen and all this other stuff. They, they clearly are trying to do the best they can with the pieces that 
were seemingly forced upon them to win now. Right. Well, the Kirk thing is the biggest part of it. Yeah. If you kept Kirk, if you kept a 34-year-old quarterback who's one of the most expensive in the league, our standard shouldn't be sixth. That's what I think. Like, sure. you're yeah. you're being realistic about what they actually have. Yeah. yeah. And I think like trading down in the draft is a rebuilding move. Um, but I also think that drafting players isn't rebuilding because all of the teams do it. But as soon as you keep Kirk, the standard when you signed Kirk still exists for me. Like to make that a success, you have to repeat what you did with a deep playoff run with this quarterback mm-hmm. or it failed, which I know is hard to say because we just don't see that happening necessarily. Yeah. But I think that just because it, 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 we don't see it happening doesn't mean we can't hold that to the same standard because if you didn't believe you could win a Super Bowl or compete for one or get to an NFC championship game, then you should have moved on. That's a good point. And it is a good point in the sense that, yeah, if, if the Wilfs have any reason for making this team and leadership hold on to Kirk Cousins um, as it's presumed to be, that that would have to mean that they view this as a Super Bowl-ready roster. And if you fall short of that, then yeah, the Kirk Cousins era has been a failure. And right now it's been, what, one playoff win? Yeah. One playoff win and uh, one playoff appearance in four years, right? Yep. So, yeah, it, you need to be a playoff team and win not one but maybe a couple games and, and make a, a strong run at it. I understand where you're coming from, and you're right. I'm being a little more realistic of, hey, I think if they get that far, it's a pretty decent coaching job based on just the pieces they've got. Okay, who do you think that the – Football power index has uh last worst team in the league. Last. Oh, football power index. The, Ooh, this is a tie between to me, the Texans and the bears, maybe the bears. Yep. Oh, okay. No, the bears. 32. Yep. 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 Too harsh. No, <laughs> no, but also Ryan Poles is doing what I think a lot of people wanted Quasey to do, right? Yes. He is getting all the giant contracts out, every commitment that the previous GM, um, Ryan Pace, ever made. He is sending it right out the door and trying to rebuild and try to embrace that full rebuild. And you have a young enough quarterback only in his second year in Justin Fields where you can burn a year of that value of a rookie contract to then make a run at it with his final two, if not three years under that rookie contract. So I, I don't think that's too harsh because that's just where they've at. That, yeah. That's too, if you're the Vikings, you no longer need to worry about that trip to Soldier Field. That, you can pen that in as a win. Wow. <laughs> you are testing fate right there. <laughs> it's they, true. The team that they lost to in 2016, I think was like one in five and was <laughs> and was beaten by 30 the week before. That defense um, was still there though. Didn't they have all the pieces on D? I don't know if they had Cleo Mack, but they, had, they probably had Akeem Hicks. They probably had a lot of the players there. Didn't it was they? a really bad team okay. that they lost well. to. Uh, Falcons to me could be the worst team in the league. Ah, They're yeah. 29th. Okay. Panthers also. Where the Texans? Are, are you guys thinking you're going to get a quarterback? Uh, the Texans are 30th. Okay. Jets yeah. are 31st, which I would have the Jets higher. Yeah, that's harsh. You yeah. know who could be truly terrible is the Steelers. Like that division, Mitch Trubisky's your quarterback. Like they could win like four games. I had this conversation with somebody. It was you uh, at rookie minicamp. Mitch Trubisky is Christian Ponder. If Christian Ponder never played that game in 2014, Vikings fans will remember this. They had to trot out Christian Ponder because Matt Castle got hurt. Teddy Bridgewater got hurt after he made his debut. And Christian Ponder started week five on a Thursday night in Green Bay, and they got floored. He threw a pick six to Julius Peppers. They lost 42 to 10. I think that's what the score was. I remember this so vividly because of how bad it was. And Christian Ponder was basically never heard from again. He resurfaced in Denver on some cheap deal. But if he would have gone somewhere like Mitch Trubisky did, which was stand behind and stand near Josh yes, Allen. Yes, yes. 
And then all of a sudden the team goes, you know what? That can be our bridge quarterback. That would have been Christian Ponder. (laughs) But Christian tanked it because they made him start a game because two quarterbacks got hurt. If Matt Castle's foot would have never broken, Christian Ponder would have had a lot more money. The best thing that ever happened to first round busts was Ryan Tannehill because then everyone could still talk. And he was, but he was good in Miami at times, whereas Mitch Trubisky was not good. Although, (laughs) did lead his team to more playoff appearances than, say, Kirk Cousins in. Wow. Minnesota. Oh, wow. That's a way to end our OTA breakdown. (laughs) Uh, So, (laughs) all right. Well, we'll be out here again tomorrow for more press conferences, but not watching practice. I don't know. It's fine. Uh, And then we'll just... (laughs) I'm not I'm promising not to get worked up over anything in OTAs so uh, that's May right all right well thank you for your time Andrew always fun and we will talk to you all later 